Hello and welcome to The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to resource and support you towards growth in all areas of your life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our live virtual Catholic Women's Summits, and our Genius Project Coaching for Catholic Women programs. You can check out any of these resources at www.geniusproject.co. You can follow us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily, Facebook, and on YouTube. So ladies, we're coming into week three of this podcast series for Lent. I want to extend a huge invitation to you that if you haven't signed up for the Lenten retreat series yet called Restore, you still can do that. You can join at any time. We are running fortnightly live Zoom sessions where we have a guest speaker and then we break out into sisterhood small discussion groups to go through the content in more detail. And these have been a really blessed beautiful experience for all of the women who are gathering. So ladies, check out the link at the end of this podcast or in the show notes or on our Instagram bio and you can still sign up. On today's podcast, I am welcoming somebody who has played a pivotal role in my spiritual formation and in my faith journey over many, many years. I first met this man when I was 12 years of age when my dad took me along to a mass that he was saying. It is my great honor to be able to introduce Father Ken Barker to the listeners on the Genius Podcast this week. Father Ken has such wisdom, such depth of knowledge, and just a very beautiful way of inviting us into an encounter with God. And so today we're going to be taking a look at the nature of God and the heart of God and how his nature is mercy. Father Ken Barker is the founder of the Order of the Missionaries of God's Love here in Australia. They have a number of missions that spread across Australia and into the Asia Pacific area. And he is also the author of a number of books. I really want to encourage you to get some time and space to listen to this podcast episode because what Father Ken will have to share with you today will really impact your heart and your length. Well, Father Ken, welcome to the Genius Podcast. I think I just said to you before, you've known me since I was 12 years old. I turned 48 this year. So make me feel feel old. I I was actually thinking about this episode and I thought, gosh, you have been, and I know that you don't like to um, be, be affirmed and everything, but anyway, you have played such a pivotal role in my spiritual formation. And I think, you know, you'd be amongst one of the top two people that have really been very pivotal in my early years. And then obviously Mm. throughout, um, I guess, my dating with my husband and then throughout our marriage as well. And so we're very, very grateful for not only the personal impact you've had in our life, but I guess the you are the founder of the Missionaries of God's Love and that the incredible impact that that's had throughout many people's lives. So it's a real gift to have you. So welcome. Thanks, Karen. It's great to be here with you. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's good to catch up. Yes, I know. You, you only live a few suburbs. <laughs> well, this is one way to do it. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. But um, look, today, Father Ken, what I'd love to do is really unpack this idea of our identity as the beloved daughters, because this is a women's podcast. Right. But 
We know that you are yeah. very familiar with talking to the women because you've been a oh, guest. Oh, serious. <laughs> yeah. You've been a guest at our Sisterhood Women's Conferences for, for many years prior to COVID hitting. I think you've even serenaded us all, haven't you? Do you remember that? I have, yes. I do remember that. Yes. It was pretty game for me to just... It was. Everybody loved it. <laughs> Feel free to break out in song at any moment. <laughs> no, don't worry. I won't bother. Uh, no, okay, well, what we want to do is we really want to hone in on this, I guess, this theme of our identity and this idea of homecoming because we're in the third week of Lent mm. and we're really moving through I guess this return to home that's what Lent is about it's about a reset with the Lord and what I'd love mm. to do is just unpack this if I thought of you and if I had a signature message that you have implanted in my mind it's around this idea of being the beloved and mm. also the nature of God and his nature being merciful Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So anyway, look, I might hand over to you. Would you like to share just a little bit firstly about yourself and just what you're doing? Well, yes, um, I'm uh, the moderator of the Missionaries of God's Love, this new congregation, which is both men and women. And um, yeah, it's a great thing to be moving with young people. I always love with being, working with young people. Uh, and um that's given me great joy over the years, even though I'm aging myself. But, um, but yeah, and I do really believe in the, uh, the graciousness of God, his mercy. And um, I wrote a book once called His Name is Mercy. I, know, I love and, that. And, uh, and I got that just, uh, it really struck me. Uh, and I actually gave a copy of the book to, to Pope Francis. And, yes. and yeah, uh, when I got to meet him, and he was so excited about it. And I couldn't understand why he was so excited about it. It was only about a month or two later that he put out a book called God's Name is Mercy. Oh, really? Serious. <laughs> You're ahead of the Pope. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, well, we must have had the same idea. Yeah. But it's, it's basically saying that the highest attribute in God is mercy. Mm. Now, for all the things you can think God is great, beautiful, magnificent, uh, all-knowing, uh, merciful. Is really the, the deepest reality, the greatest attribute in the heart of God. And I like to proclaim that because I, I think that's the real truth. And uh, when we discover that, it actually puts a great affirmation into our being because uh, we're all aware, of course, of our, our brokenness, our woundedness, our failures. We're all aware of how dismal sometimes we seem to come up. But when the Lord gazes upon us, he doesn't see all that. He just sees his beloved. He sees the one who he has always loved. And uh, he just longs to have us come back to him and be affirmed ever more deeply in this reality. Uh, and that's where we find our deepest identity, I think, in God who is merciful. Yeah. Absolutely. I once said, I think it's Henry Nguyen that said self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because I'm just trying to find the quote because yes. it, it contradicts the sacred voice of God calling us the beloved. Yeah, that's I, beautiful. Mm. I, I really I love that quote because I think for many women they actually really do struggle. I don't know what the reality for men is or the equivalent. I'm sure they have different right. struggles, but I think in the hearts of women we often struggle with this idea of self-rejection and condemnation. Yes. That we're never yeah. quite kicking the goals or making the mark. And That's I think true. there's a great invitation for us. And I think our freedom comes 
when we actually come into that place of being the beloved and we can claim that identity that's actually bestowed and given to us as a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. I think self-condemnation is so destructive, really. And, And especially when we're aware that we've failed. You see, objectively, we will fail at times. We will mess up. We will we'll go much shorter of the mark than what we should should have gone. And that tears us down inside. And, and where the enemy works, he works on the self-condemnation, you know, to get you to sort of like uh, think that you're hopeless, you're, you're, gonna, uh, you're not capable of anything, uh, you've you failed again. And, and so you get that little sort of self-berating voice inside, that self-condemning voice. It's very destructive. It tears us right down who we are, I think. And, and it's not really the Lord's way. You see, and especially when we fail, like um, uh, Therese Lizier is interesting. Um, you know, she's wrote much about this whole issue of mercy. But one time she sort of said, um, you get the image of a little child. You know, who's really upset her mother, you know, and the mother's been quite angry and upset uh, everything. That's like me. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and the child is sort of goes over in the corner and sulks and sulks and sulks and feels sorry for itself, etc. Uh, and he, she says, like, if the child stays like that, well, it's going to be there forever in, you know, a hopeless situation. But all the child needs to do is turn to mummy and say, Mama, Mama, kiss me, Mama, sorry, Mama. And what mother would not sort of embrace that child, you see? She uses this as an image of the mercy of God is like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the same as when the father, you know, receives the prodigal son returning. You know, it's a, there's a, what in the, in the Hebrew word, the rhythmin of God, which is like the hug of God. <laughs> it's a, it's the, the words taken from uh, uh, the Hebrew which is uh, it's, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, it's sort of the idea that um, the way a mother will tenderly hold her child in her womb, that's how God wants to hold you at your most vulnerable moments. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. Beautiful. I, it's beautiful. I was talking to Zenka earlier about the power of images and yes. how God gives us these images to help us relate to him, that making mm-hmm. visible the invisible uh, that's a beautiful image of him just holding holding us. And I, I often feel that the more we progress in the spiritual life, the more we feel we fall short. It's like we, we don't have any big mortal sins usually after we've been walking in the faith mm-hmm. for many years. But there's the little things that actually yeah. I personally find harder to accept about myself and harder to receive God's mercy and to be self-compassionate with those little things. True, so true, yeah. And it tears us down, really. And and we feel belittled in a way. The last thing the Lord wants, his purpose is to build us up. I like the image of the adulterous woman in the Gospels. That's not a bad one. Um, You know, she uh, was a terrible thing, wasn't it, really, that women in those days, uh, if they were caught in adultery, they would sort of like be stoned to death. It's just amazing. But that's actually how it was. And so here she was, caught in adultery. It's nothing about the man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just incredibly unfair and unjust. But anyway, but but uh, it becomes a beautiful scene because you know she's fr- brought out by men, mind you, and thrown at the feet of Jesus, uh, and um, you know accused of what she's done, which of course she has been done. 
uh, and he just simply is writing on the ground, probably writing the sins of the guys. I don't know. <laughs> and then, he's, then he's, he says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone because you're supposed to be stoned to death under Mosaic law. Uh, and let the ones without sin cast the first stone. Of course, they all went away because they obviously had their sin disclosed to them uh, by the words of the Lord. Uh, and then he's just left alone with her. Uh, and he, he says, woman, where are they? Is there anyone here to condemn you? She says, no, there's no one to condemn me. And then he says those beautiful words, neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. You see, that's the acceptance of the Lord. He, he accepts her as she is. But he says, of course, don't continue with the bad behavior. Yes. <laughs> but, but he accepts the person. Now, it took a long time for me to appreciate that in my own personal journey, that I'm acceptable. No matter what I've done, no matter how much I've botched up, no matter what I've done in terms of relationships or anything, like I am acceptable to God. He finds me acceptable. As he finds you acceptable, he finds everybody who's uh, listening to this podcast or watching us, like uh, we're, each one of us is acceptable, you know, uh, to, to God totally. And, and of course, our behavior is not sometimes acceptable. No. <laughs> but he looks at the person. That's the thing. Yes. He looks at the person first and wants us to be affirmed deeply in who we are. And then he freezes, as he did for that woman, to go and sin no more, right? Does that make sense? Yes. And uh, I love that, the image of that woman caught in adultery too, because I think my experience, a number of years ago, I, I made my way through Home Tonight, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Newman. Oh, Newell. yes, yes. And I actually, it's a beautiful book. And I spent a whole year, actually, going through that book in adoration. Yes. Yeah. And I, I never liked the painting of Rembrandt of the prodigal son. <laughs> it, it was dark for me and I, I wasn't it drawn is. to it. But I took this little picture. Actually, I've got it here. It's um oh, it's a very small one that came in the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I have it with me because once you meditate on this and whether it's the woman caught in a dog yes. or one of those stories, you yes. actually then take the place of that person and you have an encounter with the Lord exactly. and his mercy. And I, for myself, yeah. that image of the, the father welcoming the son home, I meditated on it so much so that that actually I could visualize that actually happening in my own heart with the Lord. Yeah, beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. It's fundamental, isn't it, really? Because the son, as Henry Mignon points out so many things in that book, but like the, the son offended the father very deeply because he wanted his inheritance before his father died, which was more or less saying, I wish you were dead. <laughs> I haven't thought of it like that, but it's true. Yeah, and then he, then he left the father's house. Uh, and again, that was a great offence, you see, because in those days you were expected to stay at home with your, in your parental place and work there, etc. That's what you were meant to do. But he said, no, I don't want any of your crap. I'm off. And, and off he goes to a foreign land and squanders everything. And then, of course, finds himself in the pigsty and begins to remember the father and the father's great love, of course. But he feels he wouldn't be worthy to be restored to the father's house. So I'll just go and I'll just plead with the father that, you know, I, at least I can be one of his hired servants. Mm -hmm. And he's got going through that sort of negative self-talk as he's returning to, to the father's house, knowing that he's, he's messed up badly, he doesn't deserve any mercy at all. 
Uh, but at least he knows he'll probably be a hired hand in the father's house. And meanwhile, the father's waiting. Mm. And that's what we're meant to really notice is, of course, the heart of the father. The father is, has been constantly waiting for him to return. There's nothing in the father that sort of says, oh, that damn son of mine, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get him and I'll pay him back or something. Nothing like that. And so when the father sees the son coming in the distance, you know, he runs to him, like he hitches up his garments, which are sort of like the long garments they wore in those days, so he could run faster, which was sort of very, very um, uh, ignoble thing for some, someone that uh, vintage to do. And yet he, he runs to the, the, the young boy and he throws his arms around him and he kisses him tenderly. So that's the Rahman of God. And he throws his arms around him and he kisses him tenderly. Uh, and, and there are no questions. There's no question. She says, this is the mercy of God. There's another word in Hebrew called hesed for, for mercy, which is like he does not hold our, our faults against us. Mm. So he, he doesn't question us on saying, oh, you know, how many women? Where did the, where did the money go? No? no, no questions. Just that welcome home, you see. Such a beautiful sort of way of, of say, not holding faults against us mm. uh, at, at all. He's like that. Uh, as soon as we start to return to him. So it's a beautiful story. Yeah, you can spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that one. But I think, you know, so often as humans, we struggle because to hear and accept that there is a father in heaven who loves us unconditionally because yes. our parents and, and as parents now, like we love him perfectly. And so we're always going to come away with some wounds. And I'm just wondering if you can speak into that because I was very blessed. I had a beautiful father and, you know, he loved me and I really grew up with a sense of that I was beautiful and I was delighted in. And But I still, you know, there were still wounds from obviously experiences at school and growing up that meant yeah. as an adult I had to work hard to really, I guess, accept the nature of God and, and the voice of God calling me his beloved. Yes. There yeah. are other women who obviously have not had great earthly fathers and that does wound on a different level. And I'm wondering if you can speak into that experience for a moment in terms of people who have been wounded, who haven't got, yeah. I guess, an image of a loving father, how they can yes. actually experience God as that. Well, maybe I could sort of share something personally first. Is that okay about yes, my own please. dad? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah well, I, I was uh, one of three sons uh, and a couple of uh, uh uh, sisters as well but like uh, I knew I wasn't the favoured one mm. you know and uh, I knew that my other uh, brothers were uh, were favoured by dad more than I was my dad died at the age of uh, 53 when I was only uh, 22 mm. and as he was slipping away I didn't have uh, I didn't have the words and I, I, I didn't know what to say and he went and he was gone. That was it. And we'd never really worked it out with one another. So I held that wound deep within my heart for many years until I actually had a new experience of the Holy Spirit. And when I experienced the Spirit in this new way and uh, that opened up things in my heart and healing started to happen, I had all the hurts come forward. You know, I, had, I had a little memory, for example, of my little brother uh, one time when he was... Um, mucking around and making uses of himself. And so I actually decided I'd pay him back. So I, I had a pointy compass. So I just put the 
compass just in his backside just a little bit and he jumped up and screamed and went in because he was dad's favorite he said to dad ken stuck this compass up my backside you know and and so dad came out no questions he just grabbed the compass and just shoved it straight up my backside and i could still feel it in my <laughs> in my buttocks it was pretty painful and so i i felt terribly um hard done by in mm. that but i tucked it away and i think people do that don't they wow. and they've had a sort of a poor experience of a parent they'll tuck it away and it sort of goes right down but it's repressed and in some ways it starts to surface and especially in our relationship to god our father because i i'd come to know jesus pretty closely but i needed to be able to allow jesus to take me to the father mm. that hadn't actually happened very much because of this obstacle with my own dad, you know, and, and the way in which I image God the Father as being somewhat punitive and unfair and all that sort of thing. And, and dad used to belittle me sometimes in the face of others and things like that. And, and so that was a whole healing that had to happen. And when it happened, what was beautiful is that I began to experience the scriptural texts like Hosea 11, where it talks about God the Father stooping down to pick up Israel like a father will hold his child against his cheek. Mm. And I've never had Dad do that to me like in my memory, except when he was drunk and I wanted to pull his, push him away because of the alcohol, but just to have him hold me against his cheek. So God the Father was doing that in a new way to me. And that was beautiful, really healing for my heart. As I began to experience the tender heart of Abba, Daddy, Father God, you know, and the affirmation that brings to my being and the security that you feel inside yourself when you know the Father's love, huh? Mm. Uh, so that was sort of um, some of my own personal healing, Karen, that um, has made a big difference in my ability to just simply walk with the Father's love uh, and knowing who I am as a son of God. And, and I'm sure, you know, the, the women will experience very similar. And, and especially, you know, um, I remember ministering with a woman not that long ago and, and she'd never really heard from her father that she was beautiful. Mm. She told sorts of negative things, but she'd never heard that affirmation, you're my beautiful one. Mm. And, you know, every woman needs to hear that from her dad, I think. Absolutely. You know? and, and that was a pain in her heart. As we prayed and everything, she was able to forgive her dad, and then she was able to open up to appreciating her own beauty as God sees her, you know, mm. uh, and just appreciate that, that God it delights over here. You're my precious one. You're my daughter. You're my beloved. You know, uh, you're my, I, I, I've always loved you. It's an everlasting love, and I'm constant in my affection for you. Mm. So she began to experience that love in a new way, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing your story because I think so many of us and, you know, my parents weren't perfect and I'm certainly as a parent not perfect and there's so many ways that, yeah. like you said, we can file these little memories and they lie dormant until a particular time. It might be marriage, mm. it might be called to religious life. I know for me it was parenting. <laughs> when right. I started yeah. parenting it was like, whoa, I, I like I'm surprised at all of this stuff that's in me that yeah to take to the Lord. And when you were sharing your story, you touched on the fact that the Holy Spirit came down. So yes. we, we can't, 
I find when I try and work it out on my own, I'm very conscientious and task oriented uh, person. Yes. It seems to get more and more, it, it sort of gets more elusive. It's harder to catch, but mm. there's an invitation just to sit and be like we said with our strengths, but also with our struggles before the Lord. Yes. Yeah, true. And allowing that Holy spirit and to, to sort of come in and perform that Holy surgery in our soul because yes. there's nothing that we can do right to to have that sense of being the beloved we can't grasp it it's something yeah. given as a gift so the image another image that comes to mind actually i've told this story before um, um but um might help it's the story of a young woman she's getting married right <laughs> she's got this beautiful gown on and everything she's at the family home uh, and a beautiful white gown, and they're just about to leave and go out into the car to go to the church. And someone's got a taster uh, from the cake. Oh. Says, oh, would you like to taste the cake? And she says, oh, yes, yes, yes. So she takes a taster, and then a little bit of it falls down on her beautiful white gown, and she doesn't notice. Right? And, and so she gets into the car for Dad and uh, off to the church, and Dad doesn't notice. And so you know, they get to the door of the church are coming up the steps and the, the, the music going and everything like that and um so they come into down the aisle and she's on the arm of her dad and she's looking radiant and beautiful and her mother is at the front uh, together with of course her, her, her husband-to-be and the groom and um her mother takes one look at her and says oh my god she's covered with cake oh no <laughs> But you see, her husband, her, her groom didn't see that at all. Yes. He just saw his beautiful bride. Mm. And that's how God's eyes are with you. He's not looking at the stain. He's looking at the person. That's what I mean. He accepts you as you are. And then, of course, he'll help you get rid of the stain. But, like, it's, it's the person that he, he looks at mm. and, and loves and cares for. You know, you've been created in his image and likeness. He's, he's hung on the cross for each one of us, you know, uh, and, and he's chosen us, his very own. He's, we've been baptised into the, the spirit in, in the, and we're, we're the beloved of God, you know, and to be able to appreciate his eyes upon us in that way, I think, is very important. Oh, it's so important. I completely agree. And, I, again, I love that image. I think images are so powerful in helping us grasp this but I think also Father Ken that what happens for us is this voice that calls us the beloved is often quiet and gentle and so yes. the other voice that we hear is harsh and loud and it's just mm. condemning us and yes. I think yes. as women particularly but that for all humans that we have to learn once the Holy Spirit is active and present in our life Yes. Learn to hear the voices and to discern the voices because too easily, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, that you fall into listening to that condemning voice because it's yes. louder and it's harsh. But really, and I think it comes back to this invitation just to be in prayer and during this season of Lent is such a yeah. time to try and really engage with the quieter voice, the stiller voice, the gentler voice of the Father of God yes. calling us the Beloved. That's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, just whispering into the heart, really. Mm. I think that was the secret of Jesus, actually. Yes. Now, how did Jesus put up with all of that stuff that was thrown against him? 
you know, he knew deep within himself that whisper of the Father, which he heard when he came out, out of the baptism in the Jordan, you are my beloved, yes. you're my son, my favour rests on you. Mm. So you live under that blessing that you're favoured, you're, you're, you're loved intensely. Uh, that's a, a, a way to move forward through life, isn't it? But as you say, if you cultivate that quieter spirit, and listen to it. You know, it reminded me just as you were talking about uh, an old song we used to sing many years ago. Are you going to sing to us? Come no, on. I can't sing. No, no. It was an Amy Grant song, just the oh, words. What, it's what, an Amy what, Grant what? song. You know, are you living in a dead man's rubble, listening to the father of lies, or are you living as a new creation, listening to the father of life? Right? So who are we listening to? Yes. You know? And a dead, a dead person's rubble, just sort of, <laughs> you know, the old self, you know, listening to the father of lies, hammering away, uh, lie after lie. Uh, uh, you're no good, you're hopeless, you're an idiot, you're, you'll never make it, you know, you've always been stupid, all that sort of thing, or are you listening to the father of life, life. as a new creation? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think the father of lies, he speaks in that voice that whenever you hear that voice, you are always, you are never. You, yeah. won't, you won't. That's a good point. That's yeah. those words because I think, you know, yes. female self-talk is always around you will never, you will always, you will never right. be able to. Yeah. And I think if we can tune into that voice and, like you said, start to cultivate that space where we can hear the Holy Spirit. And I know for myself it, it took 12 months of going to adoration and really meditating on that. That's good. And before I had this, it, I mean, it was a profound experience in my soul of the love of God and my belovedness. And mm. once I had experienced that, I stepped into a new freedom. It was a freedom to be actually who I was, not who I kept thinking I should be according That's to yeah. my parents' expectations or anybody else's, yes. but who I actually was as That's God's beautiful. daughter. And mm. I think, you know, that's another struggle that women kind of get caught up in is this comparison trap of looking around, measuring their worth and their value and their gifts and what they're doing against yes. everybody else's. And one of the quickest ways out of that is to spend time doing exactly this and hearing God's voice. Because as women and, and men as well, like when we understand our belovedness, then we understand yes. that God gives us a unique mission and purpose. True. So then we're actually able to walk in that mission and purpose with integrity and with strength and just knowing that we're doing what Christ has put us here to do rather than trying to do what everybody else is doing. So I think yes. that's one of the beautiful fruits of, yes, we receive our identity, yes. but I think after we receive our identity, we receive a mission and a freedom to walk into that mission. Yeah, that's good. And what you're saying about prayer, uh, I just want to emphasise that too because I think you're so, it's so right that we can think in prayer we have to sort of achieve a lot of things and do a lot of things and make ourselves presentable to God, you know. But actually what he wants is the real person. He wants you to just be really who you are. And, and the more you're able to just be really who you are before him, what I mean by that is that at any moment you might be sort of feeling pretty disheveled and downhearted or disrupted or, or angry or whatever. Uh, you can just be there in reality and know his gaze of love upon you uh, in that. And that, that I find that a lot of my prayers like that because, you know, life is full of all sorts of tumult and, and upset and demanding things, et cetera. And so you, you come to prayer 
somewhat, you know, upset or whatever, but, but you're just there and just really open your heart to your best friend, you know, mm. and let him be present with you. Uh, and that's when he meets us most. He meets us in our weakness, not in our strength. Yes. He meets us in our, in our brokenness, in, in, in the struggles of our life where we're real, we're going to be real with God, you know. A lot of people, they feel that when they go before God, they've got to sort of present some beautiful image, like you do when you go out to sort of a ball or something like that. You make yourself look really nice and everything. <laughs> we try to do that with God. <laughs> but he's not, he said, look, take off the facade, you know. Just come as you are. Just come in all your weakness and your brokenness. Just be real. That's how I want to meet you, in, in reality. Yeah, and I want to just affirm the truth of who you are. You know, it's not dependent upon how you look before others, not dependent on how you, how you achieve or anything like that. It's you, I love. You know? mm, that's beautiful, Father Ken. It's just, there's such, um, I don't know, I, you know, I think coming out of the pandemic as well and all the things that are going on, mm. this becomes more important than ever. Just True. to be really connecting mm. with, you know, the Lord and what he is doing in our own individual hearts. Because yes. so many crazy circumstances happening around the world, that uh, if we can maintain our peace and maintain our identity as His, it does a lot to yes. safeguard us against worry and and everything else. I think so. In in some ways, I think all of the confusion that's happening at the moment can lead us deeply to prayer, yes. because we we find our real anchor in the Lord, you know, and our real security there. Huh? Because there's so many other things, so much around us at the moment. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. It's like we live. I like to talk about living in the eye of the storm. Yes. Uh, that's sort of. I remember one time when I was in Manila, and there was this huge storm around us. You know, it was like came right through uh, a sort of hurricane type of experience, and and, um, uh, and like there were pieces of trees coming past my window and all that sort of thing. And then it all calmed down. And we all came out and had a look at the damage and everything. And I thought it was over, but actually we're in the eye of the storm. And then it started whipping up again. And, and, and so I realised this, uh, to, to use the image, to, to pray is to live in the eye of the storm. You know? There's a quiet centre within where you're at peace yeah. and at home with God, even though the storm's raging all around. Yes. Like that. Uh, to live in that quiet place that the, the Lord establishes with us, really, mm. and, and speaks to our hearts in that place. Um, yeah, so just sort of encourage that, I think. Absolutely. I like that. And I like um, recently I came across St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. Oh, so good. She, has a, she really talks about, you know, the religious sisters can enter into the cloister and they can pray there. But for yes. lay women and women who are mothers, women who are career women, like we have such a busy world. There are so many demands. Yes. Like so I find 2.30 to 8.30 every day I'm just in the car and it's constant. <laughs> it never lets up. Yes. Yeah. What she was really encouraging of lay women is that we can withdraw into the internal cloister of our own soul. So exactly. if we can cultivate this prayer, if we can cultivate a sense of our belovedness, like exactly. you said, everything's swirling around, but we can actually withdraw. To living in that life. quiet place, yeah. Yeah. You, you can be living from that all the time. Yeah. That's what we're, as you say, to cultivate that, to go into that secret place, as Jesus says, where the Father is present uh, and you, you can do that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, really. 
Mm. You can be in communion with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and certainly that's something that, so it's a wonderful thing to encourage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's far better than sitting on a psychosis couch, really. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting. I was walking with a friend and, and they've been through a devastating situation recently and their children needed to see some counsellors and psychologists and there's absolutely a place for that. But yes. they just, it was trial and error for them. They, they Yes. And it was interesting that one of their kids at, at their school, it's not in, in Australia, but their child actually went before the Blessed Sacrament. <sighs> and they, it was in front of the Blessed Sacrament, this child actually experienced this peace and this kind of, I guess, just that sense of being held in the chaos of their tragedy. Yeah, beautiful. That's really beautiful. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, I know some people actually teach children to, pray before the blessed sacrament mm. and they just sit there the kids and so what's amazing is the kids actually get absorbed yes. they quieten down which is extraordinary <laughs> it is and there's, there's just a peace that descends yes so and, and there's no work that has to be done so i think for women listening to this i really would love to encourage them to try and get to adoration during this season of lent because it, what greater gift could you give yourself and the Lord than to yes. be meeting with him in that way? True, yeah. true, true. Now that our churches are open again, right? <laughs> oh, Father Ken, thank you so much. That's just thank you. a blessed yeah, conversation. Good. Would you be open to just closing in prayer over the women for us, please? Love to. Yeah. We thank you, Lord, for this time we've had together and just ask you, Lord, that you would really touch into the heart of each person present here at the moment and that each one of us would be able to experience you speaking into our hearts and affirming the truth of who we are in you. Help us, Lord, to really know that peace within that surpasses all understanding. Help us to draw deeply, Lord, from your presence within us. Help us, Lord, to know your voice in our hearts, Lord, affirming the truth that we are daughters, sons of a living God. We thank you for that. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Always keep us safe and protect us from the lies of the enemy. Speak your truth into our heart at all times, Lord, and may we listen attentively to all that you would say to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your beautiful hand upon each person. Lord, protect each one from any dangers or troubles that she may be going through. Direct our hearts, Lord, by your spirit. Guide us always. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Ladies, how amazing is Father Kim Barker and that conversation. I really hope and pray that you will take away a sense today of your belovedness as God's daughter. And those words that Father Ken spoke that God's favor rests upon you. This is such a journey for us as women to really come to a place of deep encounter with that fundamental truth and to receive our identity as the beloved as a gift. If you would like to go deeper with this content, can I invite you to join us inside the Genius Project Lenten Retreat series? So we are running this podcast throughout Lent with a very special focus on Lent and the pillars of Lent. But we're also working through Sister Miriam James Heitland's book, Restore, and how we can be restored as women this Lent. Now, you don't have to have a copy of the book. I believe it is sold out in Australia. 
but you can get the Kindle version or every Sunday I will send through a free PDF journal with some of the high points, takeaways and some questions for reflection. Then once a fortnight throughout Lent, we are gathering on live Zoom calls where you will get some input from a guest speaker and then we break up into small sisterhood connect groups where you can go deeper with other women, with a company of other women and just share life and share this journey of Lent together. So if you'd like to join us, please do so. There is a link in the show notes or on our website, www.geniusproject.co. And if you are interested in any of Father Ken's podcasts or books, I would encourage you to get a copy of any of Father Ken's books, but particularly the one we mentioned, His Name is Mercy. This is a beautiful reflection on the merciful heart of God and how we, and if you are struggling with forgiveness, to forgive yourself or to forgive others, how we can actually do that in our lives. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.